Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, church family. Um, Wednesday is the new Sunday. For me, it's Wednesday right now, and perhaps as you watch this, it'll be Sunday morning or some other time. Doesn't really matter. But uh, we're going to continue on in uh, in John 20 uh, from where we left off last week, and uh, I want to share with you uh, a letter that uh, was shared with us uh, from uh, some friends of ours in Newmarket, and um, it, it speaks for itself. If they cancel the rest of the school year, students would miss two and a half months, probably more, of education. Many people are concerned about students falling behind because of this. Yes, they may fall behind when it comes to classroom education, but what if? What if instead of falling behind, this group of kids are advanced because of this? Hear me out. What if they have more empathy? They enjoy family connection. They can be more creative and entertain themselves. They love to read. They love to express themselves in writing. What if they enjoy the simple things like their own backyard and sitting near a window in the quiet? What if they notice the birds and the dates the different flowers emerge and the calming renewal of a gentle rain shower? What if this generation are the ones to learn to cook, organize their space, do their laundry, and keep a well-run home? What if they learn to stretch a dollar and to live with less? What if they learn to plan shopping trips and meals at home? What if they learn the value of eating together as a family and finding the good to share in the small delights of the everyday? What if they are the ones to place great value on our teachers and educational professionals, librarians, public servants, and the previously invisible essential support workers like truck drivers, grocers, cashiers, custodians, logistics and healthcare workers, and their supporting staff, just to name a few of the millions taking care of us right now while we are sheltered in place. What if among these children a great leader emerges who had the benefit of a slower pace and a simpler life to truly learn what really matters in this life? What if they are ahead? Uh, is, is, it, is it possible in times like we are experiencing now to, to thrive and advance in spite of the adversity, and and I believe clearly, as this uh, school psychologist um, writes so eloquently, the answer is yes, yes, indeed, yes, absolutely. And uh, as I as I think about our own situation, we we think back to the disciples in the upper room, sheltered in place, <laughs> um, physically isolated, uh, due to the fears that they had on that momentous first day of the week. And, and the question uh, I, I want to ask today and pose to you and, and hopefully provide some insight into is when a situation like that is happening, could we honestly and with straight face uh, affirm that God's new creation has really begun, has been launched through what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection, has new creation really begun when nothing much has changed? And uh, when you think about it, uh, how does God's new creation, God's 
process of making all things new, putting all things right, including you and me, and indeed uh, the entire world and the universe. Uh, how, how does this come about? Does it come about uh, with a big bang? Some are suggesting that the, the economies, the great economies uh, of the nations, and one in particular, uh, is going to start with a big bang, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be awesome, and uh, everything will be just humming away. Is that how new creation comes? Or, like the realistic view of the restart of our economies, will it be gradual? Yet, we trust, sure and certain, over time. You think about the way uh, God came into the world through Jesus. It wasn't with a big bang, but with an obscure birth and uh, the gradual proclamation of the kingdom of God through stories and parables and uh, deeds and ultimately through the cross. Has God's new creation really begun? We're going to be looking at uh, primarily John 20, 19 to 23, but, the, but uh, I, I feel it's important enough to just kind of review a, a little bit to set us up for that, and this part I hope will be quick. Uh, think back to uh, John 20, verse 15, where Jesus uh, reveals himself to Mary, and he says, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And she guessed that he was the gardener, and she said, Sir, if you've carried him off somewhere, tell me where you've put him so, so I, can, I can get him. I'll take him away. And, and uh, Jesus simply said, Mary. I can imagine that someone like Mary, to hear her name spoken tenderly and uh, lovingly, uh, this was not the first time, I suspect, that Jesus simply said, Mary. And, and she turned and, and responded in the way that we thought about last week. And then she runs and she, she tells the disciples, I've seen the master. And, and uh, so the question, has new creation really begun? Well, the beginning of the answer is simply this, that Jesus has been raised. And because he's been raised, death has, is defeated. It's begun to be defeated. It will ultimately de be defeated when Jesus returns. But, uh, but uh, death is, in principle and in reality, defeated through Jesus who, who has risen as the first fruits of all who fall asleep, all who die. He's the first fruits, and uh, we too will be raised with him. So new creation has begun because right in the middle of history, God has overturned death through the resurrection of Jesus. And the passage goes on to say, don't cling to me. I haven't yet gone up to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm going up to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And uh, the, the second uh, thought is this, that uh, new creation has really begun because Jesus is reconciling. Sinners are being forgiven. Um, the reconciliation is seen in, in Jesus referring to them as my brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers, and uh, because the Passover lamb has been slain and because the fountain has been opened for sin and for cleansing, therefore sin is being forgiven. God was in Christ, Paul would write sometime later, reconciling the world to himself, and, um, in, and, and Jesus invites these 
forgiven sinners now to, to know his Father as their Father. And, and furthermore, uh, Jesus says, I'm going up to my Father and to your Father, my God and your God. Jesus will ascend. Jesus shall reign and, and is now reigning. And because he is reigning, the curse uh, against all creation, the curse of sin and death is being reversed and will be entirely reversed when he comes. In, in Acts 2, on that uh, uh, initial proclamation from Peter on the day of Pentecost, part of his message uh, says this, God raised him from the dead, and all of us here are witnesses to the fact now he's been exalted to God's right hand. And what you see in here is the result of the fact that he is pouring out his Holy Spirit, which had been promised and which he has received from the Father. David, after all, did not ascend into the heavens. This is what he says. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I place your enemies underneath your feet, until I place your enemies underneath your feet. Jesus is reigning and enemies are being placed under his feet. Every enemy that, that steals from you, kills, destroys, deceives, discourages you, manipulates you, intimidates you. Every enemy, every emissary of the evil one. And sometimes that evil one works through uh, people very often uh, with discouraging words and uh, and and so on. We have the opportunity now to be those who encouraged based on the fact that Jesus is reigning and uh, every enemy is being subdued and will be subdued. The curse is lifted and so blessing and honor and salvation and power and authority to overcome. All this depends on his ascension, his reign, and his coming again. But this is certain. This is going to happen. So now, on the first day of that, the first on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Judeans. And Jesus came and stood in the middle of them. Peace be with you, he said. Peace be with you. And, and we read that again. With these words, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the master. Peace be with you. Jesus said to them again. And so new creation has begun. Jesus has been raised. He's reconciling sinners. He, he shall reign from the perspective of, a perspective of the passage under consideration. But Jesus now reassures his, his fearful and, and cloistered up disciples. And, and he, he gives them his peace, a peace that passes understanding. This peace is available to you now. This peace is a guard. It will guard your heart and mind from anxiety and fear and, and uh, all of the deceitfulness of the enemy. And, and it will free you, this peace, to serve lovingly in these days, to, to speak words of encouragement because you can, to forgive people because you can, and, and so on. And Jesus reassures them with his peace. And because he does that, anxiety is annihilated. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and praise and thanksgiving, bring your request to God and the peace of God. There it is. That passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Anxiety is annihilated. Uh, I, I read an article uh, the other day 
by a, by a Christian author, a uh, scholar by the name of Andy Crouch, and he said, anxiety, this is how I understand anxiety. It's imagining the future without Jesus in it. We have not been abandoned, no matter what happens. And while we are assured by the same Jesus that in this world we shall have tribulation and trouble, trouble and pressure, we also have the assurance that he has overcome the world. And in the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I am with you uh, to the very end of the age as you go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to uh, obey everything I've commanded you and I am with you. Anxiety hits when, uh, for whatever reason, and in our moments of, um, of, I don't know, discouragement, we, we imagine the future and indeed the present as if Jesus were not in it. But Jesus appears in the upper room, unexpected. And may he continue to appear, as it were, to us in our homes where we are sheltered for now, being good citizens because we need to be, and and uh, being in a mode of protecting others uh, from community spread. But to imagine that Jesus is not present and will not be with us, uh, that's the, the recipe for anxiety. Let's not fall into that. Jesus reassures uh, his disciples uh, that anxiety is unnecessary. We have his peace. And then new creation is moved forward because Jesus now recommissions his disciples and he deploys them. Jesus recommissions and disciples are being deployed. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. This was not an ideal time to be commissioned by Jesus. The enemies are out there. It is not safe for them to move out as disciples of Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God. Uh, the Romans had an answer for that. The Jewish leaders in, in conspiracy with them put, it seemed, an end to that proclamation. And, and yet now Jesus is here saying to them, here's my peace, take my peace. Now as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. And, and I, I need to ask the question now. I'm thinking about this over the past week. How did the Father send Jesus? Because Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So how did the Father send Jesus? Did he just uh, say, okay, Jesus, uh, I want you to go and, and die and, and, and uh, represent me in the world, preach my word, die, rise, just, just get going. Go do it. I've commanded you. Is that how the Father sent Jesus? And the answer is no. Isaiah 42 uh, looks forward from the vantage point of 700 years uh, before Christ. Isaiah writes these words, Here is my servant, God speaking, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Now listen, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. It goes on to say, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly lit, uh, a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands. Wait for his teaching. Did you notice that? Here is my servant. 
now I've put my spirit upon him, and he will go and do the work that I've called him and sent, and sent him to do. And please do not think that bringing justice to the earth uh, is somehow distinct from saving our eternal souls so we can go to heaven when we die. It's all one and the same. God intends to save us through the shed blood of Jesus, and he also intends through us to uh, work with him to restore creation, to work with him to bring his will to pass in the earth. And the, the, the ministry of missions from the t- this time, uh, time of disciples going forward, so many works of, of justice have been done. Hospitals have been built in the name of Jesus. Uh, so much progress uh, has taken place in the world, deeply connected to and flowing from the faith that we have in Jesus and his sending us uh, as he has been sent, uh, so that in the end, all things are made new. Isaiah 61, also familiar words that are quoted in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, and, and so on. The passage goes on. Uh, I'll uh, just uh, cut it off at that point. But again, the Spirit of the Lord God anointing and then sending uh, to do these things. Jesus quoted these words in Luke 4. It got him into some trouble when he said that in your hearing, this is being fulfilled Fast forward to the baptism of Jesus and what happened when Jesus came to be baptized. Luke 3 says Jesus too was baptized and was praying and the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. There came a voice from heaven, you are my son, my dear son, I'm delighted with you. And now Jesus who has been anointed and appointed and sent forth by the Father, now says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Receive the Holy Spirit. And on that day, their anointing began. It would be uh, brought to, a, uh, brought to a, a completion, if you like, uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. But this is the beginning of their anointing. And there was an actual receiving because when God breathes, when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit, it was not, the language here will not allow this to be looking ahead to what would happen on the day of Pentecost, but something profound happened right at this point, And there was a reception of the Holy Spirit upon them even at this point. And, and to, to think of this now, to, to make the connections, I've, I've been suggesting, uh, more than suggesting actually, that with the way that John tells this story with so many reminiscences and allusions to the original creation and, and um, that, that what John is, is doing his very best to tell us 
As he processed this over many years and then sat down to write his gospel, the way he tells the story suggests loudly and clearly that he is telling us that with the resurrection of Jesus and with the sending of the disciples, God's new creation is being launched. Now go back to Genesis 2. And, and you read, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Breath, ruach in Hebrew, uh, wind, breath, spirit, was breathed into the mud man, and the man became a living being. And so in the original creation, we see spirit being conveyed, the spirit of God, the breath of God being put into, breathed into the man. And with that, there was a commission because we, we read in Genesis 1 that uh, God created uh, humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And, and so there is the commission given to Adam and, and to Eve. And, and this had far more to do with uh, the business of just uh, procreating, making lots of babies, being fruitful, going forth and multiplying would mean going forth and multiplying uh, the wisdom and love and, and, and the ways of God in the world and reflecting back to him his praises and they were to have dominion. And that was all given up through sin. It was all lost. But in the new creation now, uh, as Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And as he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. In the new creation, the Spirit is given anew. And the new commission is given as they are sent out. Uh, and and uh, as we know the, the familiar words of the Great Commission, uh, this business of going forth and multiplying for them would, would mean go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teaching them uh, my ways, teaching them to observe and obey all that I've commanded you so that my kingdom, my ways, my agenda is spread throughout the whole earth, and I'm with you in this, I'm for you in this. Just go, go and do it. And, and this, this business of the, this, the Spirit being breathed into us, it wasn't just for uh, these 11 in the upper room, or actually 10 at that point, because one was missing. He had to uh, get caught up uh, the following week, uh, Thomas, that is, and we'll see his story next time. But Acts 2 tells us that the promise of the Spirit is, is for, for you and your children as many as the Lord our God will call. And, and so as Jesus breathes his Spirit into them, he breathes his Spirit into us, and we are sent as he is sent. I, I love uh, the words of of the hymn that uh, that I quoted in in my email to you last week from words taken from Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, where uh, the second verse says, Breathe, O oh, breathe, thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. 
And, and the third verse goes on to say, Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all thy life receive. The fourth verse uh, speaks of, or the later in the third verse, rather, Thee we would, would be always blessing. Serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing. Glory in thy perfect love. Now, this commission uh, that is received goes on to say this. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. And what in the world is going on here? Uh, may I suggest to you, without um, overcomplicating this matter, that this is very simply the ministry of reconciliation. This is Jesus giving authority to his disciples and to those after him who receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the authority from the Spirit, from him, to declare forgiveness of sins in his name. And, and this, is, this is wonderful. It is a wonderful thing that we get to do as people turn to Jesus as they repent and as they believe. Uh, we are authorized. And, and isn't it good to actually hear a human voice say to us, uh, on behalf of God and in Jesus' name, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And we receive that forgiveness. Uh, but this second part may be troubling to you. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. Well, remember Jesus um, in, in Luke 4, we're actually quoting then uh, from uh, Isaiah 61, there is the uh, declaration of the year of the Lord's favor, favor which is showered upon uh, people as they respond to the invitation of God to repent and believe the gospel. But the other side of it is, is that uh, there is also the proclamation of the day of vengeance of our God. And, and I, was, I was thinking of one of Paul's uh, messages. It's in Acts 13, where, where he says this to a group of primarily Jewish people. So let it be known to you. This is Acts 13, 38. Let it be known to you, my brothers and sisters, that forgiveness of sin is announced through him and that, every, and that everything from which you were unable to be set right by the law of Moses, by him, everyone who believes is set right. But then Paul goes on to say, beware then lest what the prophets foretold come true of you. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and, and disappear. I am doing something in your days, a work which you wouldn't believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. And, and uh, further in the passage, uh, on the next Sabbath, it says that almost the whole city came together to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with righteous indignation in their eyes, and, and spoke blasphemous words against what Paul was saying. And Paul and Barnabas grew very bold. And they said, God's word had to be spoken to you first. But since you are rejecting it and judging yourselves unworthy of the life of God's new age, look, we are turning to the Gentiles. This is what the Lord has commanded, you see. I have set you for a light to the nations so that you can be salvation bringers to the ends of the earth. And so in that passage, you see, um, Paul has declared the forgiveness of sins to those who believe uh, in the name of Jesus uh, and through his 
authority, but he has also said to those who were scoffing and rejecting and trying to intimidate others to uh, not listen. He said, since you regard yourselves unworthy of the life of the age to come because you will not repent and believe, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. What a solemn and sad day that was for those who rejected the good news of the kingdom of, of forgiveness. Don't be in that position. Don't be a scoffer. Don't be a rejecter of the love of God shown to us so, so powerfully and poignantly in the teaching, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Has new creation really begun? Yes, because Jesus has been raised, and so death is defeated. Jesus is reconciling sinners to, our, to himself. The curse of sin, which began in the garden, is being overturned. Sinners are being forgiven, and Jesus now reigns. And so the curse upon us and the curse upon all creation is being reversed and will one day be fully re re reversed. And Jesus uh, thus assures us with his peace, uh, relieving us of the anxiety that there could be any future apart from him. He is with us to the end of the age. And, and, uh, and as he is with us, Jesus recommissions his disciples, including us. We are being deployed uh, granted the anointing of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, that we might be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the age. And, and we've been given a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Paul writes that from this moment on, therefore, we don't regard anyone from a merely human point of view. Even if we used to, we don't anymore. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, look, there is a new creation. There's new creation. Old things have gone. Look, everything has become new, and it all comes from God, who has reconciled to us to himself through the Messiah, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The only thing that counts, Paul says in Galatians 6, is the new creation. He says, God forbid that I should ever boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, through whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. All, all the, the things that we have considered important and not and indispensable in that day and age circumcision. He says that's, that's nothing and neither is uncircumcision or anything else for that matter. What matters is the new creation. What matters is what God is now doing uh, through Jesus and through his, his spirit anointed and appointed followers to bring the life of of God to bear in the world so that one day, uh, as, as the unfolding revelation of God renewing all things, including us in the midst of our struggles and sorrows and sins and discouragements and, and setbacks, no, he is advancing his new creation he is advancing his new creation and, and peace and mercy to everyone who lines up with that standard, that reality, uh, Paul says in that Galatians passage. And one day, here's where it all ends. Here's where God finally brings to completion the work that he's beginning now, the recreation he's doing. Look, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne that said, Look, God has come to dwell with humans. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or weeping or pain or COVID since the first things have passed away. And the one who sat on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. May he renew you in these days. May these times that are unsettling and and to some degree uncertain from our perspective not throw us off. May we thrive. May we find ways of advancing his kingdom. May we find ways of planting seeds of new creation as we encourage the lonely, as we contact those who need to hear a human voice, as, as we say thank you to the essential workers that we come within two meters of, as we just plant seeds of goodness and kindness. May this happen. The last verse of that wonderful hymn says, Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored. In thee changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in love and wonder and praise. And in the meantime, to quote that wonderful Getty song, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, Holy Spirit, come abide within. Let your joy be seen in all I do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that sows the path of peace. Turn my striving into works of grace. Breath of God, show Christ in all I do. May he show Christ in all you do and say this week. God bless you. I'll see you again, God willing, next time. God bless. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC. 